The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. and running again ladies and gentlemen welcome to another week of fantasy nba today i am your host dan bespris it is mid-february already i don't know how that sprung up us uh, on us here we're almost two full months into the nba season at this point you guys believe that nonsense that's completely bonkers december 22nd right wasn't that our opening day a couple days before christmas week from today We'll be two months into the NBA season. That is absolutely mind-boggling. But here we are, trucking along. And of course, in a abridged season, this puts us not quite at the halfway point, but for playoff leagues, for head-to-head, which, God help you all, head-to-head leagues this year, by the end of this week, we'll basically be halfway to the playoffs, which is nuts. And that's hard because... With the number of COVID postponements here, the first month and a half of the season, they've done a better job now since kind of cracking down a bit on... Did I ever go into detail on the podcast about how one of the adjustments they made to their COVID protocol was no outside guests in player hotel rooms? Like, What kind of an idiotic rule was that to begin with? Oh, yeah, you can you can bring some folks in. Whatever. Like, I mean, you got buddies in Houston, right? Get what... Whatever. Doesn't matter. That was when George Hill was like, they can't tell me what to do. It's like, well, no, actually, George, we can. We can. You don't get to just have your buddies over in a hotel room because guess who doesn't have their buddies over in a hotel room? All of us. Get out of here with that nonsense. Anyway, week nine upon us. It's two-game week for the uh, Dallas Mavericks this week, by the way, if you're watching that sort of thing. I just, ah, head-to-head is rough this year, man. I have I have a head-to-head league team. What do you guys care? What do you care? You don't, nor should you, but I'm telling it anyway because screw it, it's my podcast. I have a head-to-head team that I thought was going to be pretty freaking good this year, but currently down Christian Wood, Aaron Gordon, but that one's not as big a deal, TJ Warren, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Kawhi just sat one out. <sighs> it's always something. It's always something. We had some interesting stuff over the weekend, and we'll be addressing that here shortly in the reverse chronological lightning round portion of the proceedings. But I should also tell you, I am Dan Bespris, and you can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Thank you, as always, to the throngs of you that have gone out of your way to rate and review the podcast. I did not expect the kind of overwhelming, oh, Dan asked us to do it, I guess we ought to do it type response to my call to drop some five-star reviews on the show, but you've done it. We were at like 570, what, a week, two weeks ago, and I was like, let's get to 600, and then right past 600. Then I said, how about 615, and right past that. So now I got to set a new goal. Next goal is 625 reviews. By the way, these are a big deal for us. I know I've said that before, but every time you do one, I an angel gets its wings. No, I just I get a little bit excited because every time there's another positive review on the podcast, it just allows us to push a tiny bit farther up the leaderboards. And when you're up the leaderboards, people can find you. People can, you know, they search for fantasy basketball and this is one that pops up. And that's because of you guys listening, subscribing and rating and reviewing. So thank you for that. Please continue to do so. It's a really big deal. And, uh, yeah, that's it for the front end of the podcast. Let's jump right on in. Sunday, we'll start with the morning game, work our way through the day. We'll go backwards and hit every team's most recent ball game. By the way, I also managed to keep my notepad document open of all the stuff we talked about on the Friday edition of this show. And so we can pause when we get to some of the players that we highlighted on the Friday edition of the show, such as uh, by low guys like Kemba Walker, who had a good game on Sunday, and that's actually... Basically going to be the first player we talk about here in a minute. Uh, a couple of interesting hold guys that, you know, may, maybe made an argument not to be hold guys, like P.J. Washington heading out on a health and safety protocol list. Some drops that have basically looked like drops since then. 
some of our ads, definitely worth going over some of the ads. And we'll, again, we'll kind of harken back to that ads list as we work our way through the games from the weekend. So let's just start on that. Boston in Washington. Celtics never woke up for this one. And frankly, they've been kind of a tired team overall lately. Celtics dropped back to the 500 mark with this defeat. Not that they're in any kind of real jeopardy in the Eastern Conference because, you know, Eastern Conference and all. But they're the five seed right now. And they're in a big old bunch. They are currently uh, just a game and a half up. In the, in the play, no, excuse me, two games up on the playoffs. They're two games ahead of the Miami Heat, the nine seed right now. And the Hawks, also the nine seed. Tied. Bulls, only a half game back of that. I mean, the Eastern Conference is crazy bunched up, aside from basically the Wizards and the Pistons. Although, even those two teams, as horrible as they've looked, by the way, the Pistons are the best 8-19 and 19 team I think I've ever seen. But as terrible as a team like the Pistons has looked, believe it or not, they're only three and a half games out of a playoff spot. Yeah. There's just really no one running away with things in the Eastern Conference. No teams in the East with 20 wins yet. We got three of them in the West. But whatever. I didn't mean, I didn't intend to start this podcast by ripping on the Eastern Conference. In any event, Washington got a win. They needed it too. Bradley Beal took a game off and he was fresh at 35-7-5. Mo Wagner got a start in this ballgame, and he is worth monitoring. He played only 22 minutes in a blowout. This game, final score was a 13-point margin, but Washington was up 22 pretty much until the last two or three minutes. Teams pulled their big guns, and then the Celtics, you know, third stringers made a run on the Wizards' third stringers, but that didn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, what, I, what I do wonder, though, is would Wagner have finished the ballgame? I don't know if he's a closer, so even if the game was closer, would he have been in there? Robin Lopez actually was in there for you know late stretch of the ballgame. Might have been Davis Bertans instead. They may have gone small. I don't know, which is why I'm not racing out to pick up Wagner on the news that he started and the fact that he had a decent ballgame, but only 22 minutes just isn't really enough to get it done, even for a decent per-minute guy like, like Mo, I need to see a little bit more. Meantime, Russell Westbrook nearly triple-doubled and somehow still managed to turn it into a bad ball game. He went, he uh, shot just 5 for 19, 6 for 19, 6 for 19 from the field, 1 for 3 at the free throw line, including an air ball that he stared at for about 3 seconds afterward. There's something, I mean, if that look on Russ's face after the air ball doesn't tell the story of someone who is battling some sort of demon, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just aging and his body, like his brain is not connecting with his body. He's like, body, do this. And the body's like, I can't anymore. And then everything just goes to pieces. Meanwhile, Kemba Walker, 25-7-2, a couple steals, four three-pointers. I mean, he's always going to be a guy that was working on getting his legs back. What you do notice with him, even in his bad games on their road trip, when he was running out of steam, low on fuel, he's still moving quicker this year. Meantime, Jason Tatum had a real clunker and uh, he hasn't been all that great lately. I mean, he had a pretty good ball game. I think we're probably being a tad too hard on Jason. Uh, six, eight, and four with a steal. This is a very bad ball game, and it pushed him down to number 21 in nine category leagues. There may be a little bit of a buy window here. He's shooting just 45% from the field. A lot of his other stuff is not that far off from where it was last year. Would love to see the defensive stats come up a little bit. I don't know. I don't think you're going to be able to buy on Tatum. He hasn't been he hasn't been struggling long enough for anybody to sort of lose their grip on him. And then Daniel Tice is the other guy. He's really the one we were watching in this game aside from Kemba, only Kemba because we called him a buy low. Tice busted his finger early in the ball game. He ended up coming back and didn't just didn't play well. But he's been the center to have in Boston and I think he probably will be again. New Orleans, they've stopped playing defense altogether. Zion was pretty good. Um, he's having a better season than I expected. I got to give credit where credit's due. Zion's been a useful fantasy value this year. He's number 60. Uh, free throw percent is up. He's at 71% on high volume, so he's still hurting you, but he's not killing you. And he's about to steal in a block a game. So on top of a, you know, among the league best, he might be the league best in field goal percent impact. Yeah, I think he is. So he's able to counterbalance that with some stuff that uh, turned a corner for him. That's good. If you risked it on Zion, he's still probably not going to hit ADP, but at least he hasn't been bad. He's been, he's been good. 
Uh, Steven Adams logged bigger minutes, so Willie Hernan Gomez disappeared, and he's always been a bit of a deep leaguer. We had some questions on that. Uh, Josh Hart, not consistent enough. Lonzo slowed down a little bit in this ballgame. I think he'll be better going to the next one. On the Detroit side, Sadiq Bay is going to be the guy that everybody's talking about after his last couple of ball games. He had 16, 4, and 6, three steals, four three-pointers. Most of his damage here, of course, coming because Blake Griffin sat the ball game out. But, by the way, I don't have the roster space to squat on Sadiq Bay. That said, I don't think Blake Griffin is playing the whole season for the Pistons. Whether or not that means he's just rested or traded, there is a path for Bay in in that universe. Obviously, he doesn't keep this type of thing up. There are many players in the league that can't do anything close to this on a daily basis, but at least we got a good look that, you know, this is a kid who has a little bit of fantasy game uh, percentages are a work in progress. Defensive stats are a work in progress. I mean, these are his first steals since February 6th, and it's not as though he wasn't playing at all. You know, even in the game where he hit seven three-pointers, he didn't have a single assist, steal, or block. Did have 12 rebounds. That's fine and all. But, I mean, look at some of his other games. He did play 26 minutes in back-to-back games in early February. Uh, averaged 10.5 points, three rebounds. Did have one and a half steals over those two games, but there's still... Uh, a lot to happen here. I mean, he got picked up in so many places, and I can almost assure you he will be back on waivers in every one of those leagues by next week. Delon Wright, humming. Mason Plumley, he's really humming again after an extended cold spell. I don't know if maybe he was battling something that we didn't know about, and then they ended up sitting him with the elbow stuff, but he triple-doubled in this ballgame. The hell did that come from? Man, he's a good passing big man, but still. And then Jeremy Grant, he's cooled off a little bit here. Still having a dynamite season. And a couple of bad shooting games isn't going to really knock him off of his pedestal. He's number 28 right now. And he's doing it with relatively low field goal percent anyway. So you just kind of just, at this point, you just sort of squat on that and and understand that that's who he's going to be in a super high volume role. Minnesota beat Toronto. Raptors first game back off a long road trip, and they just didn't have it. Shot 42%. Allowed Minnesota to shoot 52% and very nearly won the ball game thanks to a 19, or rather 12, free throw discrepancy and a 7, minus 7 for the Minnesota Timberwolves, plus 7 for the Raptors, turnover differential. So they got just way more shots. But Minnesota able to hang on. Cat, 20-11, and 11, steal three blocks. He's starting to work his way back into shape, although fouled out and did have seven turnovers, so he's still not quite there. Jared Vanderbilt and Ricky Rubio are the stories of this game from a fantasy standpoint because they're the guys that might not be on rosters. Vanderbilt started, played 23 minutes, and he just soaks up fantasy value when he's on the floor. But, but, with all of these guys around and with D'Angelo Russell still waiting in the wings, obviously that'll impact Ricky Rubio more than Vanderbilt, I'm going to need to see this again. Did they go to this lineup because they wanted Vanderbilt on Pascal Siakam and not Josh Okogie on him? I don't know. Vanderbilt, solid rebounder, good steals and blocks guy, good field goal percent guy. Not going to see any kind of real usage on this team, but this is a situation to monitor. It's got all these guys with defensive stats popping up this year. And then with Rubio, 16 points, 5 assists. This was a ball game where Minnesota just moved it well as a team together, and Rubio hit four three-pointers, which is only notable because he didn't really take any the first month this year. I mean, look at look at his game breakdown. He hit five three-pointers over his first five games, and then he didn't hit another one until February 8th. He went a month and a week without hitting a three-pointer, and he wasn't taking very many. He took, what, 5, 6, 10, 12, 14, 18. He went 0 for 18 from downtown over that stretch. He has 7 over his last 4. It's not like he's shooting the ball all that well, but he's just starting to at least attempt a few. And I keep saying the same thing with Rubio. He's not currently good enough to be trusted because once D'Angelo Russell comes back, his minutes will trend back down towards probably 24, 25 instead of 29 or 30. That's a big deal. But if he actually starts to show any measure of aggression on the offensive side, any three-pointers, anything at all, get to the free-throw line even, 
Then you add that to the assists and the steals. Those are always going to be there with him. And he's just, the, the ceiling is too high. You can't leave that on the waiver wire if there's any hint, any whiff of him coming into success. So Rubio is a guy I've pretty much added everywhere just to see what happens. And there's probably an 80 to 85% chance I end up casting him off into the sea. But if it hits, it's worth it. Spurs starters did some business. Sounds like LaMarcus Aldridge still isn't all that close, so just uh, keep enjoying Pirtle power while you've got it. Meantime, on the Charlotte side, Devontae Graham back out. Managed to get back for this ballgame, played half of it, and he's hurt again. And then P.J. Washington's still in protocols, so the Hornets are cut down to their prime a little bit. And so, Terry Rozier just took all the shots money can buy. He attempted 29 shots in this ballgame. And he is, I got to give it to Brewski. He was in the hoop ball six, and he was not a guy I was hyper-targeting in drafts. And then I took him in a couple of spots, two spots, because Brew told me to. And he's been incredible. He's number 31 in nine-cat leagues right now. LaMelo Ball, he's never given up that starting job. He looks amazing. Cody Zeller, 10 and 12, only 22 minutes, though. That's something to keep an eye on. No foul issues. I don't know that they needed to go bigger. Bismack Biombo played extra minutes. Perhaps they made a little comeback with Bismack on the floor. Miles Bridges, big-time opportunity here with a bunch of bodies out and unable to capitalize on it in this ballgame. I'm still okay, I think, using him as a streamer for now, but when everybody's back for the Hornets, he's not on the right side of the cut line. Kind of the same story for Malik Monk. He's really scorer first, and they don't have the need for that when they're healthy, but they might here in the short term. Portland won again. I still don't really know how they're doing it right now. They shot 53% for this ball game. Luckily for Portland, the Mavs can't guard anybody. I mean, they, like, literally no defense at all with Dallas. Top-tier offense, no defense. Luka, 44-7-9 on good percentages. He's worked his way now right to the edge of the top 20 in nine-category leagues. So that was, uh, he's, he's bounced back nicely, and that these, these massive popcorn games are floating him at the moment. It's also worth noting, by the way, Luca free throw percent at 79.5 right now. That's the thing that you need to be at 80, and he could actually get into the first round if... Well, there isn't a whole lot else to do. I mean, the turnovers are not going anywhere. He's... This you take. This is what you signed up for. 29-9-9. and with a steal and .7 blocks. Like, there's a lot to like about what Luke has done this year. Turnovers are the one big thing, because he's among the league leaders. Harden's at 4.3. Then I think it's Luka. I'm sure Westbrook's in there somewhere. Trey Young, he's also in there. You know, the 8-cat bump, certainly. But, you know, if you took him a 9-cat, I think you got to be pretty happy right now with the way his free throw numbers have come back. Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, is the interesting uh, name on that Maverick side. He's someone we've been tracking on this podcast. We've been listening to it. You've heard me say his name a couple of times. He's pushed himself now right to the edge of the top 100 over the last two weeks, which pretty much makes him an ad. He had 14-3-1, steal block, and four three-pointers in this ballgame. That'll get it done. He's like Royce O'Neal if you missed out on Royce O'Neal with slightly... Fewer, usually lower rebounding numbers than O'Neal, and then I would argue maybe a little bit better scoring numbers. It's close. Those guys are the same fantasy player. Rob Covington, 15-5, four steals, four threes. Don't look now, ladies and germs, but Robert Covington is number 78 in nine-category leagues as we speak. Love it. I love that. No surprises on the Portland side. Milwaukee finishing up a long road trip. Just didn't have it in Oklahoma City. Brooke Lopez had no energy. None. Bobby Portis came in, had himself a field day. Dante DiVincenzo, young fella, had energy. He's been good lately. Started the year hot. Went ice cold. And now he's back in the good graces again. And some of that might be because Drew Holiday's out. They've needed that third thing. Anyway, he's obviously someone that should be on your fantasy teams. Oklahoma City remains a, a virtual dice roll on whatever streamer you're tossing out there every night. Horford is a clear start. 
That's not a question mark. We've seen Kenrich Williams play relatively well of late. He was not as good in this ballgame. Lou Dort had been very quiet in popcorn stuff. And then in this one, he popped off for 19-7 and with three threes and two steals, but went four for nine at the free throw line and committed seven turnovers. Woof. Hamadou Diallo, he'd been able to stay sort of above the fray, but went just two for 16 in this ballgame from the field. Oops. That'll hurt you. Six points, 13 rebounds. That's cool, but boy, two for 16. So who were the winners? Justin Jackson, who was playing point guard somehow, had 22-3-5, four three-pointers shot the ball well, and Darius Baisley had one of his weird good shooting games, 18-5, two threes, two steals. We've talked about it before. With Baisley, there's infinite upside because he gets steals, he gets blocks, he gets threes, he gets rebounds, but he's shooting 40%, less sub-40% from the field, 76 at the free throw line. He's just, he's a points league guy this year, especially when guys are out on the Thunder around him. But he actually, you know, the more he has to do this season, it actually hurts you more than it helps. Orlando, another team running out of gas at the end of a road trip. They got beat by Phoenix 109-90. to Terrence Ross is has come into all sorts of usage, and his percentages are suffering. Not that they weren't suffering anyway, but he's startable right now. I'm excited for Evan Fournier to get back if he ever does, because there are just as, as many shots as he could possibly want with this team. I talked a bit on, I think it was Thursday's show, about Michael Carter-Williams last week. Might have been Wednesday, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. He wasn't on our ads list for Friday. He was on our watch list. Well, he came back quickly over the weekend, played big minutes in Orlando's win in Sacramento, I think at 21-7-7 and in that ballgame, if I recall. I'm not looking at it at the moment. And then came back with 14-4 and in this one against Phoenix. A couple of notes on Michael Carter-Williams. I've added him in a few spots. I think he's going to be pretty good in points leagues, maybe the rest of this year. Because Aaron Gordon will come back, and he'll run a little bit of point. Evan Fournier will come back. He'll, he'll ball handle a little bit. But I don't think Cole Anthony's going to get dropped right back in there until they officially pull the plug. And as we just talked about in the Eastern Conference, no one's out of it. The Magic are 10-18, and 2-8 and eight in their last 10 ball games, and they're two and a half games out of a playoff spot right now. If they keep going 2-8 and eight every 10 games, eventually they'll be too far away, and then you'll see a bit of a youth movement. But it's still early enough where I don't think that's happening yet. Michael Carter-Williams is the anti-youth movement point guard for this team. He's uh, a slasher. He gets assists. He generally gets rebounds. He didn't really get any of this ball game. Generally gets steals. Actually gets some blocks because he's a relatively tall point guard. So I've added him in a number of spots. I'm not starting him in Roto Games Cap format immediately. I want to see how this thing plays out a little bit. I will start him in an unlimited set and I'll definitely start him if you have a points league spot you you go ahead and you fire him up because the bad percentages who cares he'll get you rebounds assists steals blocks points that kind of thing and you know lack of three-pointers doesn't hurt you that same way either so there's a very real chance he doesn't make it in nine category leagues because his stat set is a little bit wonky he's uh Westbrookian in that he doesn't shoot the three ball. Both percentages are not very good. Rebounds, assists, that sort of stuff. Um, turnovers are going to be obviously lower than Westbrook. You'd hope the steals and blocks are maybe higher. But they're not that dissimilar, actually. So it's hard for guys like that in 9-cat. But you never know. You never know. And there's upside if things click a little bit. Just be aware that his stat set doesn't translate that great to category leagues. I do think the job is his to lose, though. I think the Magic are going to go to the veteran here before they run Cole Anthony into the ground, and his body couldn't handle it. Too young, dealing with the rigors of a season. For Phoenix, uh, Devin Booker signs of life. He's had a couple good ball games here, 27-4-6. Field goal percent is trending up. Turnovers trending down. That's good for him. Chris Paul, he's humming. Mikael Bridges, he's humming. Jay Crowder's looked pretty good since coming back. You know who hasn't looked very good lately? That's DeAndre Ayton. 10 points, 13 boards. Yeah, 5 for 7 shooting. That's all well and good. But no steals, no blocks. 
Only seven shots, two turnovers. I'm not liking what I'm seeing from Aiden. He's top 75 right now, and I think your target with him, best case scenario, is probably top 40. I don't know if we're getting that high even. If you can sell him for someone in that 40 to 50 range, I would. Someone asked me if I would trade Al Horford for DeAndre Aiden right now. I don't think I would. I think I'd rather have Horford. They're different. They're built different fantasy-wise. With Aiden, you're going to get rebounds and field goal percent. With Horford, you get a little bit of everything. But, I mean, that's what you're looking at here. You need DeAndre Ayton, who's, again, number 75, 77 right now, 14 points, 12 and a half rebounds, and one block. I would love his free throw percent maybe to trend up a little bit, but it's really all about usage for him right now. He needs to get those 10 shots up to 11 or 12 to have any chance of entering the top tier or even the, the secondary top tier. I'm looking at guys in that in that like 40 to 60 range. I think I might rather have Jonas Valanciunas at this point. He's like the same fantasy build as Aiton, but he's getting more shots per game right now. That's nuts. I mean, we're going to talk about Memphis here in just a second. JV had 25 and 13 in that ball game. He he's he's a better iteration of DeAndre Aiton this year. It's, it's very weird. Uh Comparing this, of course, to last season when, yeah, Aiton missed large chunks of the year. He was suspended for PEDs, et cetera, et cetera. Aiton uh, was number 32 last season on 18 points, 11 and a half rebounds, one and a half blocks. Only played 38 games, but still. 15 shots a game. He's at 10 this year. His usage, they've cut him down by a third. And that was at 32 last year. If you included uh, bubble games and, right, that was it, bubble games, I think. Nothing beyond that. Uh, like, I, I, I regret gr- uh, greatly thinking that he had any shot to get inside the top 20. He would have needed to do what he did last year and then do more. Last year may have been the peak in terms of what he's sort of allowed to be a part of offensively he's good i mean he's fine he's like a solid offensive player but they have so many options now i don't think aiden should have been drafted anywhere inside the top 30 we all got we all got blinded by the fact that he was just going in that you know 17 to 20 range and we never stopped to think about why it's nuts he's right next to rudy gobert last year Gobert's at 57, by the way, this season, so he's not exactly steam training him, but at least Rudy's giving you three blocks. I'd take Rudy over Aiden right now for the rest of the year. Just try to swallow the free throw issue. There's a lot of guys I would trade DeAndre Aiden for. I'd probably trade him for Rashawn Holmes, who we're going to talk about in a minute here also. Slow-mo, big ball game for the Grizz, who beat the Kings uh, on the road. Slow-mo continuing to hold value. Dylan Brooks had a little wake-up game. But who cares? That's not the story in this one. Brandon Clark made his return. Played 22 minutes off the bench at 13-4-4. 4-5 from the field, 5-4-5 at the free throw line. That's where he makes his hay, and hopefully the minutes will trend up a little bit as he gets his legs back underneath him. John Morant, 16 points, 10 assists. That's great. But terrible percentage on both numbers and four turnovers. And the uh, the John Morant stuff, yeah, it's not like... I don't, I don't mean to, to uh, be Captain Buzzkill here, but he's number 144 on 19 points and eight assists a ball game. He just, there are big holes in his fantasy game. And I had you guys yelling at me that he was a top 30 player after two big games to start the year. Yeah, he'll be better than 144. I'm okay with admitting that. I don't, I mean, because I, I think his his field goal percent in particular, I think will trend up. But a steal, a three-pointer, two rebounds, three turnovers, that stuff ain't going anywhere. Doesn't have the right, not the nine-cat guy. He's not. Faded him hard this year. You guys yelled at me, but here we are. Darren Fox came back for the Kings. That was good. Rashawn Holmes did not play well. 
So there is a little bit of a buy window here. Hassan Whiteside saw 15 minutes. Kings are slumping a tiny bit at the moment. So, you know, everything goes into state of disarray when Sacramento loses a few games in a row. Uh, Rashawn's going to be great. I love that there are these blips, these momentary blips in his season numbers where you can maybe snatch him up because they never really stick. You know, Rashawn number 43 this year. He's probably a top 50-ish guy. If I had to kind of nail him down, we're closer now to where he's probably going to end up. Clumped in there with Horford, Boucher, John Collins, among some other big men in that range. Uh, When I said I'd trade DeAndre Ayton for Rashawn Holmes, I probably wouldn't actually do that. I'd probably hold on to Ayton and hope that he can kind of leap past him because Holmes also is not a big-time usage dude. Uh, If you could get John Collins for Ayton, I would do it. Probably can't, but I would. Cleveland in L.A. taking on the Clippers. Boy, the Cavs are bad. <laughs> I mean, they are really bad. Holy moly, are they bad. There's there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Jared Allen is the closest thing you got on this team. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, they've been trending down, but they're worth starting as well. Andre Drummond sat this one out. They desperately need Kevin Love back, which actually is kind of good because if you had Kevin Love and they were playing okay, you'd be like, oh, where is he going to fit? And they're going to... They'll carve out a, a perfectly shaped... It'll be like Wiley Coyote going through a door. There'll be a Kevin Love-shaped opening in their locker room door that they'll just carve out. Please, Kevin, come back, come through, play whatever you want. You can pick the pregame music, man. Just save us from ourselves. Please hit a shot. Someone hit a shot. On the Clippers, everybody got to hit shots. Marcus Morris had 23. Pat Beverly had 16. I like Pat Bev. You know I like Pat Bev. Everybody knows that. That's... Not a surprise, Ron, here. I, I just, you know, they're ramping up his minutes slowly. He only played 20 in this ballgame. Generally, he's not going to do it in 20 minutes. I need him in the high 20s. Serge had one of his biggest games of the year. Lou Williams had 30 and 10 because there were no, no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George. Duh. Evita Zubat's trending down. That's, the, that's actually the thing that jumps out at me more than anything else. I, I thought he was going to be kicking around in that 21-22 minute range, and it looks like Whatever was going on has now shifted back the other direction, so not super interested in his Ubots anymore. Uh, and then with Lou Williams, you know, he's going to be a guy that that was already over-rostered, so people are going to be like, oh, I, I had him already, and this was, yeah, dude, you've been squatting on a really bad asset until the Clippers rested all of their superstars. Lou needs usage, and lots of it. He took 22 shots in this game. If he's going to get 20 shots, hell yeah, he'll be a fantasy player, but he ain't getting 22 shots not happening they needed him to run the offense here Marcus Morris probably not going to hold at this level either steal two blocks that's not happening every night you see so many Clippers get added and dropped in the next week this I promise you and then maybe the biggest story of the night on Sunday Anthony Davis re-aggravated his Achilles late in the second quarter of LA's loss to Denver they just they were never the same after he went down. Denver just went on and, and ripped them. Lakers are not that good without Anthony Davis. You know, they were going to overtime with some kind of bottom feedery teams in the NBA. And if he's going to have to miss a couple of weeks, they're probably a perma fade because they'll adjust the line two or three points with no AD, but that's not enough. They can't guard people without AD. They missed a ton of free throws in this game as well. Uh, your pickup, if Anthony Davis is missing a few weeks, is probably Kyle Kuzma. I can't believe I'm saying that. But if you look at what he did, you know I'm going to be the last person to tell you to pick up a Laker because you know that's generally LeBron, AD, and then it's a big old drop to one of these other guys. The The two games that, that AD missed earlier this week, Kuzma had a double-double in one with two blocks, 15-9 and nine with a steal and a three-pointer in the other one. He was legitimately good in those two games. Then he had 20 and 10 with AD back in their win over Memphis, and he had 19 and 8 tonight. He's gone on a rebounding spree. The free throw percent is concerning. But you know, if he's going to be averaging, you know, 15 and 9 with a blocked shot, you probably just eat the other stuff with potentially over two three-pointers a game, man, 1.8 to 2 somewhere in that range. Am I racing out to pick him up? I am not. I'm not. Fantasy game still leaves a lot to be desired. But he's the guy. 
And I know what you're thinking. I know your next question. You're going to be like, okay, well, nine category leagues, where can I actually, what can I expect? Where does he get to? What's his ceiling over this stretch? Uh, you're looking at probably a ceiling of about top 90 over the next couple weeks, if that's what AD's missing. We still don't even really know. In any event, I don't I don't think you're going to be kicking yourself if you miss a couple weeks of Kyle Kuzma getting hot. Turn the clock back to Saturday, but before we do, I want to remind you guys of our partnership with MyBookie.ag. I didn't give them enough love last week, so this week they're getting a little bonus love on the podcast. MyBookie.ag, they are a fantastic partner for us and our wager pass division here at HoopBall, which... I'll be telling you guys about it a little bit later in the podcast as well. MyBookie.ag. If you sign up for an account with promo code HoopBall, you get a 50% deposit match bonus if you desire. And if you do that and make your first deposit, holler at me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email TeamHoopBall at Hoop-Ball.com and say, I'm interested in a prize. We're going to have to make that first deposit first, and I'll, I'll get you something cool. Might be cold hard cash. Might be. Just saying. Mybookie.ag. Again, promo code is hoopball. We are into the the slightly lesser bet sports portion of the proceeding. So they're gonna really want you guys over there as well. So keep your eye out for promos on top of everything else. I've made almost five hundred dollars in basically free money since I signed up with my bookie. In addition to the other stuff that I've been sort of slowly grinding out on the sports betting side, their promos have netted me somewhere between three and $500. And for those of you that actually went, you know, maxed out on the Thanksgiving bet and stuff like that, you guys, I think, have made more than 500 bucks. That's crazy, man. $500 is a lot of money for doing nothing. <laughs> Even, not, it's not the small amount for doing something. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code HoopBall. Let's talk Saturday. Philly. In Phoenix. They didn't really have it. Joel Embiid had it. And they shot actually 52% of the team, but they let Phoenix shoot 61%. You want to talk about a game that really didn't have any business going over by 10 points? The pace was quite slow in this ballgame. But the teams just made a crap load of shots. We already talked about Phoenix, and there's really nothing on the Philadelphia side, so shuffle along. Indiana at Atlanta. T.J. McConnell is storming the barn. Six points, three boards, 12 assists, four steals, and two blocks for one of my favorite recent pickups. He's been a guy that we've had on a number of our lists. He was, we we repeated him on this most recent Friday uh, just because we wanted to sort of stress how good he's been. He's now worked himself to the edge of the top 100 on the season after basically doing nothing the first couple of weeks. Last two weeks, TJ is, believe it or not, outside the top 130, but over the last week, he's number 77. Why? We keep bringing this up. Because he's missed every free throw he's taken for the better part of a month. Something weird is going on at the foul line for McConnell. If he ever got that sorted out, he'd be an easy top 75 guy lately. Miles Turner had a pretty good ball game here like that. Doug McDermott hurt his knee, but played a, maybe maybe that's why, 26 points in 36 minutes. When he goes out there and gets hot, they'll just turn him loose, and that's bad for our guy Jeremy Lamb because he needs one of those guys in the starting line, namely Justin Holiday or Doug McDermott, to not be super hot, and they both were in this ball game. So, you know, for Lamb, that's going to put him on the outside in situations like that, but... Jeremy's been more than good enough to continue to roll out there. He's number 63 in nine cat leagues over his first 14 games since coming back, including a couple of ramp-up games. And uh, you'll just keep trotting him out there as long as he's putting up good numbers like those. So no adjustments from Indiana. No real adjustments on the Atlanta side. Gallo starting to get there now. Shot starts to drop. Things change for him. He had four threes, seven boards, a steal. Missed two free throws. That was weird. Otherwise, uh, no surprises here either. Teams are starting to trap Trey Young a little bit more. His assists are going to be up, but his scoring is going to be way down. Teams just really don't want Trey beating them, and it's been a successful move. I think Atlanta's 
what are they lost? They've lost a few in a row, right? They've lost three in a row now. The Mavericks sort of unleashed this monster on the Hawks. The trap tray. Spurs did it. Pacers did it. Pretty much pick out the teams that are doing it. And Atlanta now four games under 500. They got to come up with a counter. And I don't know if they have the right personnel for it. But if they keep doing it, Kevin Herter is going to be the guy who feasts when this is happening because he's ending up with the ball a bunch. He's now worked himself to the top 90 on the season in nine cat. And he has no business in that area, except that with Trey getting trapped, he's picking up big time assist numbers. So Herter's having a ball. You know who else is having a ball all year? Clint Capella. Yum, yum. Third rounder. That was weird. I'm never doing that again. Houston blown out in New York. The Knicks, so much firepower these days. I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, although they've been very good. Knicks are the seventh seed. 5-5 five and five their last 10. 13-15 overall. They're a playoff team right now. And it's not a joke playoff team either. They're, they're actually not bad. They play good defense. They're deep now. They're basically two quality players deep at every position, with the exception of center. Of course, earlier this weekend, Mitchell Robinson broke his damn hand. He's out for a month to a month and a half. He had surgery already, so they're just they're rolling into rehab. But, of course, that means that one of our favorites, a guy I've been yelling at you to add for two weeks, because even in 19 minutes, Nerlens Noel was a top 85 guy, and now Nerlens Noel will be... So much more. Oh, it's go time with our friend Nerlens. This is, you know, it sucks if you have Mitchell Robinson. There's no question about that. But it is go time if you've got Nerlens Noel. He's number 74 uh, in 23 minutes over his last two weeks, which is about five games because he missed a couple in there. Six points, five boards, three blocks a game over that stretch. That number will come down, but steals will come up. Six points, five boards. Honestly, funny thing is, that's enough. But he'll probably go higher than that if he's playing starters minutes. I I want you guys just because this is your sort of pause for celebration moment of the podcast. Not because Nerlens is going to play giant minutes for for a month, but just because I actually had, shout out to my Keeper League that I'm in, I actually had a Keeper League WhatsApp chat say something like, Dan, how the hell did you know that Mitchell Robinson was going to get hurt. You just picked up Nerlens Noel. I picked him up everywhere. And you guys know it because I said it on the pod. I love Nerlens Noel. I drafted him in as many leagues as I possibly could because he's great. In 20 minutes is all he needs. Look, here's the celebration moment for all of you guys that have Nerlens Noel because of loving Nerlens or the podcast or whatever. Look at the games this year where he's played 25 minutes or more. It's easy to find. There's only three of them. One of them was not very good. He had four and six. The other one, eight and six with five blocks. And then this most recent game where Mitchell Robinson was already hurt. He had 10 and six with a steal and two blocks. It's going to be a lot of fun. You want to have more fun? Look at last year in Oklahoma City. Look at the games that Steven Adams missed early in the season. He played 28 minutes at 15 and 14. Two defensive stats. Meh. How about the next game? 24 minutes, 8-3 and three with 7 defensive stats. 29 minutes a couple weeks later, 14-3 and 6 with 2 blocks. He's a top 50, maybe better, center as a starter. So just enjoy the ride. And let's hope he doesn't get hurt. Other notes, news and notes on the two teams in this ballgame. I think I'm giving up the Daniel House pursuit. We'll check the Rockets box score nightly just to see what's going on there. Uh, But all of those wings are splitting minutes, even with Victor Oladipo out. Eric Gordon, John Wall, just going to get to do a bit more. For Houston, things really came apart when Christian Wood got hurt. So let's focus on New York for a minute. Derrick Rose, minutes trending up. 22.5 in this one at 16 points, 3 assists. I think the assists will generally be a little bit better than that, actually. They were... uh, Knicks didn't have that many, just 21 assists in the ballgame. Alec Burks, 3 points, 4 boards, 4 assists. He feels droppable at this point. Alfred Payton at 15, 2, and 3, but he's droppable. Emmanuel quickly had 22 points, but believe it or not, I still think he's droppable. This was in 21 minutes, splitting the point guard bucket with Payton, and then 
the hell, Austin Rivers, did he get a couple of point guard minutes at the end? It doesn't matter. They went into blowout mode towards the end of the ballgame. Those two guys are basically splitting 46-ish of the 48 point guard minutes. Generally, you're not going to get enough out of either of them. For the Knicks right now, Nerlens Noel, Julius Randle are probably your only category league startable players. And maybe Derrick Rose. That's the other guy that I'd be looking at because I do think percentages can help float him a bit. Assists can help float him a little bit. And I think he's trending up. You see his minutes get closer to 24, 25 by the time they're all done there. They probably don't go much beyond that because, look, we all know he'll fall apart. And I think even Tibbs knows that at this point. Uh, Brooklyn beat Golden State. That was the marquee game on Saturday, and they smoked him. Harden, 19 points, 16 assists. He's been a brilliant facilitator for the Nets. Um, they didn't play ton of defense. They just they were so good on offense that it didn't matter in this ballgame. Brooklyn shot 54%. Warriors shot 49%. And it wasn't close to enough. Nothing on the Warriors side is of interest fantasy-wise. For Brooklyn... And, I, you know, honestly, I, I wish I had known this before the ballgame. Playing a Bruce Brown-led team, they eliminated DeAndre Jordan for this ballgame. Bruce Brown was the starting center, or I guess you could say, you know, maybe Kevin Durant was the starting center. Jeff Green played all of his minutes, or almost all of his minutes, at center in this ballgame, and so that made him fantasy useful again. Because he'll just he'll stretch the floor and he will decimate other centers with wide open looks because they're not going to be able to get out and cover him. Even good defensive centers can't cover that much ground. And so if this is now the plan for Brooklyn, we'll see. I think the next ball game will give us a better example or at least a little bit more data on what they're pl- planning to do. I dropped Jeff Green almost everywhere when it looked like he was going to split center minutes with DeAndre Jordan, or when KD was out and he moved down to power forward. That was not good for Green. Let's watch one more game. Let's see if Jeff can keep this up. He was hot for this ballgame. He only took six shots, which probably isn't going to be enough. Uh, but he's on the cusp, as per usual. Joe Harris, nice ball game again. I like Joe Harris. He's been good this year. He's been solid pretty much throughout. Where's he at? 80-something? Doesn't matter. 80 on the nose. Again, doesn't really matter. Uh, Miami got destroyed by the Jazz, but who doesn't right now? Duncan Robinson, he's been a tough hold, but I'm still doing it. Kelly Olynyk got eaten up by the Jazz a little bit, although still salvaged a decent ball game, played 31 minutes. I mean, he's, yeah, he's an obvious hold. He's number 100. His minutes are up. Everything is good. Everything is good with Olynyk. Just enjoy that one. It's going to be... He, they're, they're trying him out. I don't know if someone might take those minutes. Maybe they will. But right now, current personnel setup, that job is his. And the Heat, as a team, have big time issues to work through. So I, you know, I don't, I don't think it's Olenek's fault either. Royce O'Neal, similar valuation. He's number ninety-eight, so he's right there with Olenek, Dorian Finney-Smith in that exact same spot. These guys are all clumped together. Right around 100. TJ McConnell's in there as well. All of these guys are worth using in fantasy, particularly in unlimited games formats, because if they're healthy and they're right around the top 100, they will compile enough to be better than that. Roto Games Cap, you know, you're, you're hunting stats a little bit. Olenek, a little bit of everything. All those guys. O'Neal, not as much scoring, a little bit more other stuff. Finney Smith. Some weird hybrid of the two. McConnell's more your specialist of the bunch. I don't know. We've talked about Olenek enough on this show and Royce O'Neal enough on this show to, I think you guys know where we sit with those guys. Uh, still no Mike Conley for Utah. Joe Ingles is your streamer there, and that's probably not going anywhere. Is that everybody? That might be everybody. Let's do our quick on-air scan of the Friday card to make sure we're not missing anything. Chicago. I don't think they played over the weekend. Chicago is a team we'll need to cover here. Anybody else? Somebody yell at me. Dan, you're missing X. Nope, I think it's just the Bulls. How's that possible? Yeah, one team went back-to-back over the weekend, so the, so the Bulls didn't have to. Um, Chicago. 
Well, there was a little something with the Bulls. Wendell Carter Jr., who was on our ad list from the Friday show, sounds like he's quite close. We may see him play this week. I think he's a guy you have to add, even though he wasn't very good before getting hurt. There's just there's too much runway. No Lowry Markin in there. They desperately need a big man. Because Daniel Gafford isn't cutting it. Cristiano Felicio is definitely not cutting it. And Luke Cornett is absolutely not cutting it. And as great as Thad Young has looked for stretches so far this year, he's not a center. It, it's not the right fit. If, he was, if you want to play a small center, they need to be able to stretch the floor, and that's not really his gig. He actually has the offensive game of a center. Because he'll go down and battle around the rim, but what's he going to do on the other end of the floor? And, you know, in terms of finishing, that's not really a thing either. So, uh, yeah, I think you get Wendell Carter Jr. back. Don't start him on his first game. There's going to be a ramp up here. And then see where the minutes fall, because Tomas Sadoransky's actually seen quite a quite a bit of playing time lately. I don't know that that's going to stick. He's a fun fantasy player, does a lot of stuff. He's across the board, big point guard. I, I It doesn't look like a... a it doesn't look like something that they're going to be using long-term. But maybe I'm wrong, so keep one eye on Sadoransky as well. And that's your reverse chronological lightning round, all 50 minutes of it. Holy hell. We did not short you for anything there. The uh, Monday look-ahead portion of the proceedings, that's, I guess, all that's really left on the podcast, other than me reminding you guys that recruitment season continues. We are all filled up on the sports betting side. So thank you to those that wrote in to kind of help round out some of the sports that we weren't covering so far that uh, you guys are in at the ground floor here. We are recruiting right now on the podcast side exclusively. Exclusively. That's the push we're making this week here on Fantasy NBA Today. We are looking for people that want to, well, get famous. Honestly, that's, I mean, that's really what it boils down to because, you know, starting a podcast is not a paid gig. I don't know if that's the paid gig anywhere. Uh, we want folks that want to grow something to make it special. You know, if you want to be part of a, an existing show here at Hoopball, that's a possibility. I can't promise that. If you want to start a new team podcast, we've done that recruiting pitch before. Uh, and we've got some other shows that are in the works as well. So if you fancy yourself someone, a talker, on TV or on radio, whatever it might be, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. We can go through some, we'll brainstorm a little bit. Or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Subject line is hoopball podcasters. And uh, let me know a little bit about yourself. That's kind of what it comes down to there. I can pick it apart, probably. Happy to be a bit of a mentor in this process. But again, this is not, this is not just to screw around, okay? I want to make that very clear. If this is something you want to do, it needs to be something that you really want to do. You want to make a podcast like this one, Fantasy NBA Today. I've done, what, 1,200 shows on this thing? I've missed a handful of days of weekdays and four and change years. This needs to be something you're willing to really invest in. And if you are, we'd love to hear from you. Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Your Monday card. Bulls are in Indiana to take on the Pacers. Pacers have been playing a little bit better lately. I think uh, these teams beating Atlanta, it may be not as impressive as it seems. In any event, uh, if you want gambling breakdown on these games, I'm going to be doing that on Twitter, if possible. We have some childcare issues we're working on over here. So uh, whatever happens on social media will be somewhat diminished this week for me. I will be disappearing for stretches. Uh, but we'll do gambling stuff on Twitter. We're not going to do that on the podcast today. This is fantasy stuff with the Bulls. You're watching to see if Wendell Carter Jr. comes back. And if he does, how many minutes he's getting. My guess is not enough on game one to be a fantasy value. With the Pacers, you know, if Doug McDermott has to miss any time, then Jeremy Lamb has a very clear path. By the way, uh, Pacers side... Nate Bjorkren, their head coach, mentioned that T.J. Warren was about to return to the team. I think we need to make sure that people are understanding what he's saying. He's not saying he's ready to play. He's saying he's ready to begin team activities. So, you know, exercising with the team, training with the team, things like that. So he's probably still at least a couple weeks away, maybe a little bit more. Still, 
I can't believe I'm having this discussion 50 some odd minutes into a podcast, but it's an important one to have. Every year we do this one time on the show. So this is your one time. I lied. I'll probably repeat it at some point later on. TJ Warren, let's just let's just use last year as an example of where he sat fantasy-wise. And I you know, forget the um forget the bubble run because that was Warren going way above his head. If you include the bubble run, he was number 40 in 9-cat last year. But that's a high watermark for him. If you take the bubble run out, he's more like 55-60 range. Let's assume that's more or less where his target is for this year, somewhere in that 50-60 to range. If someone like that is floating around on waivers, and he is, uh, in, in some of my leagues he was dropped, and honestly, I can't blame the teams that dropped him because we had no timeline at all. In my mind, I thought, okay, foot surgery, two months. That was sort of what I was putting my hand on, which would be like a week from now. So maybe it'll be between two and three. That's fine. But that's, you know, that's half a season. He's missing half the season, probably. So, you know, if you're in a head-to-head league, maybe that doesn't have an injured reserve spot or has one, and you have someone else who's hurt, he's a guy that had to get dropped in some spots. If you're in a roto league with a games cap and you dropped him, I'll punch you right in the face. But a lot of you are not in that format. I get it. What you need to understand, and this happens on Twitter all the time, people are like, well, he's not that close, I'll pick him up later. No, no. You cannot treat a top 50 potential asset like that. And there's a, there's a strong correlation between how good a player is and how long you're going to have to squat on them to make sure you get that player. With someone of Warren's ability, you're going to have to stash that player a month out in general. And this is your marker. This is them saying, look, he's not out indefinitely anymore. There's now a plan for getting him back involved and slowly ramping up. Might it be two weeks? That seems low. Might it be three or four? That seems like a reasonable target. If you're trying to pick up someone inside the top 50, I'm comfortable stashing a player like that for six weeks. And you should be too if you're in a competitive league. If you wait inside that mark... Someone else is going to snap him up. So there's the correlation. If you're looking for someone who's like, you know, top 80, you stash him for, I don't know, three weeks. Top 60, four or five weeks. Top 50, month and a half. Anything above beyond that, basically as long as it takes. And that's where you need to be, that's where you need to be sitting with this. And you're like, Dan, I don't think he's that close. Yeah, you're right. He's not that close but he's close enough given how good he is. And I think you got to do it even in head-to-head at this point and just take the zeros for a couple of weeks. He's a bona fide difference maker. He's a bona fide difference maker. Dude averaged 20 and four with over a steal, half a block, one and a half assists, one and a half threes on 54% from the field and 82 at the free throw line. He was beyond solid. He was ranked right at Drew Holiday and Pascal Siakam last year. This includes the bubble, by the way. All right, let's get back to our Monday night preview. I, I, I do think you guys need to be adding TJ Warren, though. Rockets Wizards. Can the Wizards make it two in a row? John Wall returns to D.C. You don't think there's a little revenge on the brain there? I do. Wizards got a win. Maybe that's a feel-good win. I honestly don't know. They're a hard team to read. Fantasy-wise, let's see what Mo Wagner can do. If he gets another start. Oh, maybe he won't. Start against Boogie? You might see Robin Lopez out there. Well, we'll see. We'll wait and find out what Scotty Brooks is planning to do. Hawks and Knicks. Hawks are favored on the road by one and a half. I gotta think Tom Thibodeau has been watching the way these other teams have defended the Hawks. I gotta think that he's going to go try to get the ball out of Trey's hands. But I don't know. This would be nice if we had a Hawks contact. <laughs> it could be like, hey, are they going to trap? Knicks have looked pretty good lately. Fantasy-wise, not much on the Hawks side. I guess you're just sort of watching to see what Gallo does on a night-to-night basis with the Knicks. The timeshares, all the timeshares, staring at all of them. And then how much fun is Nerlens Noel going to be? I think the answer is very, a lot. 
Sixers, uh, this is this the last of their road trip? This might be the last of their road trip. 76ers have been on a, a relatively tough one. They uh, beat the Kings, lost to the Blazers, lost to the Suns, and now they're probably going to lose to the Jazz. <laughs> it's only a four-gamer, but it's a week long, and they've frankly, they've looked tired. This, this line, by the way, if you're betting folks, is Jazz by six. It's pretty fair. Fantasy-wise, meh. Nothing. Heat in L.A. taking on the Clippers. Clippies on the back-to-back. I think we'll see Kawhi Leonard in for this ballgame. Miami, man, I don't know what exactly needs to give for this team, but it's something because they have not looked good. They beat the Rockets, but who hasn't here lately? They had a home-and-home with the Knicks and barely squeezed by in the second of those two games. They beat the Wizards, but also did lose to Washington in there. Uh, lost to the Jazz by 18. That one was not close. And they've got the Clippers, the Warriors, the Kings, the Lakers, the Thunder on this road trip. This is a this is a big one. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven gamer. And the front end is when they're supposed to have a little bit of energy. I don't know. This will be a pretty big line. I don't think I'm going to bet into that one. Uh, I said I wasn't going to talk betting, and then I did anyway. Fantasy-wise, um, not a whole lot here on either side, really. Clippers, you've got all these dudes filling in usage for Paul George, who's still out. That's the storyline. What the hell's the deal with Paul George? I don't think you can trade him away right now because there's no timetable. Seems like he could just pop up at a moment's notice. Would I buy on him? No. Whatever this Bonadema thing is is scaring the piss out of me. Cavs and Warriors, Cleveland's just, they're awful. They are really horrible. They must have they must have a good game in the tank somewhere. This is them finishing up their road trip. They lost in Phoenix, lost in Denver, lost in Portland, lost in Los Angeles, and this would mark it an 0-5. You've got to think they're in desperation mode here not to go winless on a five-game road trip, but boy, do they stink. I don't like anybody on that side. I don't like anybody fantasy-wise in this game either. Nets are in Sacramento to take on the slumping Kings now. No line on this ball game yet. I'm not sure why, actually. I think everybody is okay. Is anybody going to get rest on the Brooklyn side? Is that what's going on here? Fantasy-wise, we'll keep an eye on Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, if he actually is trending up. He's kind of a fun fantasy player. Does a lot of little things out there, but I don't think he's going to see enough minutes. And then with Sacramento, it's a real snooze party. You know who the guys are there. Harrison Barnes, by the way, is in my cell bucket, and he probably should have been on the Friday show. He's been quietly trending down a little bit. Not not giant heaping dumps down the board, but just slowly creeping down. He was like top 50, now he's top 65. He's been good this year. You know, Maybe he does hang around in the 75 to 90 range. I don't think 50 was ever really in the cards long-term because he's shooting way over his head. And that's your Monday look-ahead. And I think that's your podcast before my voice runs out of gas. I am Dan Bespris. Again, hit me up if you want to be part of our podcast team. That's going to be a fun recruiting pitch to do all week long. Uh, Please do continue to drop five-star reviews on the show if you have 90 seconds to do so. And as I mentioned last week, our YouTube channel, firing up right now, by the way. Another reason to go follow that, it's hoop, uh, excuse me, youtube.com slash hoopball. I was told by our buddy Luke Wheaton that I don't have to put the letter C in there, so I'll fix that now. Uh, youtube.com slash hoopball, no hyphen either. youtube.com slash H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Definitely go subscribe to our YouTube channel because there's stuff over there that we will not have elsewhere. That's what's kind of fun about YouTube is that that's where you get the live video stuff that doesn't exist in other parts of the HoopBall platform, such as when Mitchell Robinson broke his hand, Adam King and Alan Soroki just popped on YouTube and did a 20-minute instant reaction. What does it mean for Nerlens Noel? What are you doing with Mitchell Robinson? And we'll be doing stuff like that for other pieces of news. Like, let's say hypothetically we get some news on Anthony Davis. I'm hoping it's really good in which case you probably wouldn't need a show, but what if it's bad? I pray it isn't, but if it's a bad news chunk, we'll probably throw out a, a video reaction show. 
So that's how you get some very quick synopsis, and not 280 characters worth on Twitter either, where we're trying to express intricate, detailed thoughts on how to analyze a fantasy team in a couple of tweets, or we can pop on a show and spend five to ten minutes doing it and express ourselves in, you know, a hundred times more detail. So that is youtube.com slash hoopball. There's a lot of cool stuff happening over there and getting cooler. We have more in the works. Super excited, super duper excited about the stuff we've got going on over it at our uh, recently refurbished Hoopball YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed Monday's reverse chronological lightning round. I am Dan Vespers. I will talk to you soon. So long. This has been a Hoopball presentation.